You're listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes at Lyric Opera of Chicago. Backstage at Lyric features in-depth interviews with singers, conductors, and creative talents at one of the world's great opera companies. For additional podcast interviews, subscribe to our RSS feed or visit us online at lyricopera.org. Baritone Boaz Daniel is backstage at Lyric. He's a somewhat insecure king, relatively young, relatively unexperienced, but then he's elected to be emperor. And he chooses to overcome his desires, his urges, his hatred, his love, to be this emperor. And that's the journey that he makes in the piece, so to speak. Thank you for downloading this edition of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Mark Travis, producer for this series and for the Buxbaum Family Lyric Opera of Chicago broadcasts. This time we're featuring an interview with the Israeli-born baritone Boaz Daniel, who sings the role of Carlo this season in Ernani by Giuseppe Verdi. WFMT program host George Preston hosts this interview, but for those of you not familiar with the plot of Ernani, let's first have a brief synopsis. The opera is set in Spain in the year 1519. Don Juan of Aragon has lost his title and wealth during a civil war. Taking the name Ernani, he leads a band of outlaws in the mountains as a resistance effort against the villainous king Don Carlo, who killed Ernani's father. Ernani also plans to elope with his beloved Elvira, who is about to be forced to marry her uncle Don Rui Gomez de Silva. Unfortunately, the king also has designs in Elvira and takes her away himself. A confrontation between the three suitors ensues, with Ernani finding himself indebted to Silva when the latter refuses to hand him over to the king. Silva and Ernani form an uneasy alliance against Don Carlo, with Silva demanding that Ernani pledge to kill himself after they vanquish their mutual foe. Ernani agrees to this, noting that when Silva blows a particular hunting horn, he will commit the deed. Silva and Ernani meet with their conspirators and determine who will assassinate the king, and Ernani is chosen. At Don Carlo's coronation, Elvira convinces Don Carlo to grant amnesty to the rebels, which he does, going so far as to return Ernani's title and property to him and give him Elvira in marriage. The happy reunited lovers return to Ernani's palace, and wedding preparations proceed. Unfortunately, a strange figure in black appears, and in the midst of their joy, Ernani hears the hunting horn being blown. Though he and Elvira try to convince Silva to excuse him from his obligation, the old man refuses, and Ernani kills himself by plunging a dagger into his heart. And now, on to the interview with Boaz Daniel and George Preston. Enjoy. Boaz Daniel, you're singing Carlo for the first time in Ernani, and it's a brand new production of Ernani, directed by Jose Maria Condemi. What insights into this role are you learning as you prepare it for the very first time? Who is Carlo? Carlo is a very complex figure probably the most complex figure in the piece. He has three forces influencing him inside, outside, and they contradict each other. He has this love to Elvira. 
a pure, uh, like a, 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 an earthly, so to speak, love of a man to a woman. He has his struggle, the feud with the tenor. The tenor, we, we, in the beginning of the piece, we learn that he's a rebel. But he's not just a rebel. He's actually an arch enemy, we find out as the opera progresses, of the king. There's, so there's, there's this hatred between the two. And upon all that comes his aspiration to be emperor. He's a king. He's a somewhat insecure king, relatively young, relatively unexperienced. But then he's elected to be emperor. And he chooses to overcome his desires, his urges, his hatred, his love, to be this emperor. And that's the journey that he makes in the peace, so to speak. Now, you've recently done another Verdi role that is historically connected with this role. Tell us about that. Well, it's interesting that I just done the opera Don Carlos in Vienna, in the Vienna State Opera, the role of Posa, Rodrigo, the, the, the Marchese di Posa. The king in Don Carlos is Philip II, as we, as we know in the opera. His father is Carlo Quinto, Carl V, which is the king in, Don, in Hernani. So Hernani is actually comes chronologically before Don Carlos. And those are real figures, which is uh, another, something that makes opera for me so fascinating because it engulfs so many things in it. Of course, first and foremost, the music. But it has literature and it has the history too, uh, which makes it such, such an interesting, such a fascinating genre. Now, you've done a couple of Verdi roles, including this one at Lyric Opera of Chicago. You've done Di Posa in Vienna. You've done Renato in Un Ballo in Mascara in Frankfurt. That's correct. Are you wanting to make Verdi roles a major focus? It seems to be my way, and I'm very happy about it. You know, it's not necessarily the case with singers that the roles that they want to sing are the roles that fit their voices. Not necessarily the case. I know a mezzo-soprano that always wanted to be a dramatic tenor. And, and there are, you know, tenors that always wanted to be Zarasto in the magic flute. I actually want to sing exactly the roles that I'm singing. I'm very fortunate about that. Yes, I am growing to be slowly but surely to be a Verdi baritone, it seems like it. Which doesn't mean that I don't sing other stuff. But Verdi was very, very generous to baritones. I don't know what we've done without Verdi. What is it about the Verdi roles, vocally and dramatically, that are, are so friendly for baritones? He loved baritones. It's not always the case that you see with a composer the voice that he loved the most. Richard Strauss, for example, never liked tenors too much. And you will see in his important operas in Salome, in Electra, the tenor is, is, a, is a side figure. He loved sopranos. And he has one, two, three major roles for a soprano. There's no, no other way of interpreting it. He loved the soprano voice. Verdi loved the baritone. And despite you know, the Italian opera that was characterized in the 19th century by the main role for the tenor, the main role for the soprano, and the third role for the baritone. That was, uh, I'd say, a characterization of Italian opera at the time. Verdi brought the baritone as the third figure almost 
to be as big and as important as the soprano and the tenor, and then more important. Well, he was a man of the theater, and he understood, usually, his baritones are bad guys in a way, but complicated bad guys, and you don't have theater and drama without the bad guy in there. I, you know, I, um, the bad guy, as per se, is not a good uh, description, because if you look at Macbeth, mm-hmm. which is a kind of a bad guy. Complicated. Exactly. He's a victim of circumstances, of a crazy woman, of his destiny. He's not a bad guy per se. And Rigoletto is definitely not a bad guy. Rigoletto does things which you would, you would uh, uh, they're not good, but it's out of his own agony. He's not a bad figure, like you would say Scarpia in Tosca, which is the, like the epitome of a, of a villain. You will rarely find somebody in a Verdi opera which is a, a real villain. Maybe Iago, Iago in Otello. But that's, an, that's a Shakespeare, of course, mm-hmm. uh, figure. But the, rarely is the bad guy really a villain, like Iago or, or uh, Scarpia. And in many cases, because of the complexities of these baritone roles, they are the most interesting in Verdi's operas. This is correct. Absolutely. Now, you don't only do Verdi, of course. You're going to be doing your first Wolfram soon. That's going to be at La Scala, correct? The Wolfram is in Torino. Torino, excuse me. In Teatro Reggio in Torino. So the Wolfram is coming up soon. You do some other Wagner. And uh, you're Israeli. I am. And it's been my understanding that in some ways Wagner was kind of banned from certain concerts in Israel. And I know that maestro Barenboim ran into some trouble when he programmed some Wagner not too long ago. Do you get any objections or questions from your countrymen about doing music of Wagner? Absolutely not. People who love music love Wagner. If a musician bans Wagner, he would punish himself because Wagner is a, is a very, very important composer and wrote some of the greatest music of our time. And if he was, a, as a person, you know, he had his flaws. And, of course, he was, he was not a nice person, as we all know. He borrowed money from, from his friends without ever giving it back. He stole the wife of a friend of his. He was not a good man, so to speak, but he was an unbelievable composer. Now, in Israel, there's a problem because some Holocaust survivors heard Wagner's music played at them in concentration camps. And they don't want to hear Wagner. And we can understand that. Certainly. As long as those people are alive and there are, they are becoming, you know, less and less, there are not that many still alive of them. But uh, there is the decision of not playing Wagner in official concerts in Israel. But Wagner is played in Israel. And actually one of the first records that I was introduced to when I started to listen to classical music was Wagner. That's what my father brought home when my brother and I started listening to classical music. Now, talk about your lyric opera of Chicago experience. What is unique about coming to Chicago and singing for this company, with the exception of the cold weather compared to Israel? Well, it has many, many uh, aspects. First of all, the opera is beautiful. I love the opera house. I love the opera company. It's an especially professional company, 
and nice, very, very, very welcoming. For me, is also English a very welcoming language. I speak, my mother tongue is Hebrew, and I live and work in Austria. I mean, I sing mostly in in till now in Austria, but also a lot of in Europe, in Germany, in France. And uh, the English language is very welcoming for me. It's like the closest to a mother tongue for me, and it's very, it's very, uh, as I said, welcoming. The whole atmosphere here. The language, the people, the opera company, very, very uh, welcoming. Well, it's great to have you, and thanks for joining us in the broadcast booth, Boaz Daniel. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content and to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org.